Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Moments with Ndero, Season 3. Thank you for listening. I'm really excited about today's conversation. I have a conversation with the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. And his career is expansive from tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems. Uh, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures and startups. And I'm happy to have this conversation with him. So continue listening. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, Mark. I truly appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we start the conversation on why you wrote this book, The Career Toolkit, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what word is resonating with you in this moment in time. I think of my life as having two parallel tracks. So my primary career stems from having gone to MIT, where I received a couple of degrees in physics and computer science, and I graduated in the 90s during the dot-com era. So I began my career as a software developer and over time moved up. I became a head of engineering and then a CTO. And I've helped build companies ranging from three-person startups to innovative divisions at 300,000-person Fortune 500s. So that path has been somewhat standard. But something happened along the way 20 years ago when I first started hiring people. And I would ask them questions starting with technical questions. How do you design this type of server? And I'd get the standard answer. Okay, great, they know what they're talking about. But then I would ask them questions like, what makes a good leader? How do you recognize someone who's gonna be a good teammate? And I would get blank stares. I realized the only reason I knew the answers to these questions was because I had spent some time learning this actively going out and trying to answer these questions, but it wasn't part of my core curriculum, even at a school as high, uh, high up in the rankings as MIT. And in fact, most schools do not teach these types of skills. So I shouldn't really blame folks for not understanding, but clearly they needed these skills. And I began to look for materials that could help develop it. I didn't find a lot, and at the same time, MIT had began to identify this need as well. In fact, uh, from subsequent re research, MIT's career office, but also career offices of top universities throughout the US, I haven't yet looked globally, were all getting the same feedback from companies saying, we want to hire people who are great at teamwork, who are strong communicators, who have good networks, who know how to negotiate, who are leaders. They want these skills, but they weren't finding it. So we began a program 20 years ago at MIT to start to instill these skills into our undergrad students. And I've been teaching there for the past 20 years. I've also in parallel worked in other programs. Uh, there's one in New York helping people who lost their jobs during the Great Recession who had to do entire career shifts. I've helped online communities. I help nonprofits with people who likely are never going to college but need to get their career on track. And so I've helped people across the educational spectrum to help develop these skills. And ultimately, it led to my book, The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. 
That is really insightful. And now that you've written the book, um, what's unique about it? There are certainly lots of business books out there, right? There's probably about a hundred a day that get published. What makes this book different are the following things. First, this is well-proven. These are skills that I've been personally teaching for the past 20 years at MIT. They weren't just arbitrarily picked. They came, as I said, based on research that we had gotten feedback from companies. They had been developed in conjunction with professors at Sloan and other parts of the university to really focus on what are the key skills and what's the best way to develop them in our students. Because I'm covering a lot of different topics in the book, I don't get super in-depth, right? You can find a whole book on negotiation, I only have one chapter, or a whole book on leadership, I just have one chapter. What makes it different is I focus on the fundamental mindsets. For most of these skills, it's how you think about it and how you approach it. If you can change how you're thinking about it, suddenly you find more opportunities. Let's take leadership. If you recognize what leadership truly is, you can suddenly recognize leadership opportunities all around you. They'll happen on a near daily basis. You can begin to recognize them, learn from them, explore, and even engage and develop your own leadership. The second part that I think makes this book a little different because I take a diverse set of skills, these skills are not done in isolation. A good leader isn't simply a good leader and has no other skills. A good leader understands the importance of communication. They will know that negotiation is a key part as they build constituencies. They will incorporate ethics into those decisions. Each of these skills helps to reinforce the others. And so I approach it in a holistic fashion that's going to let you not do the skills in an isolated way, but build in each, and that's going to make each other stronger. Fantastic. You mentioned leadership. Um, you know, we're transitioning into a new year. People are still trying to figure out how they can, you know, build their lives and their careers from 2020. So how would you define leadership and why is it important to have a career plan? So with leadership, the most important thing to remember is leadership is not positional. What does that mean? So many people think a leader is someone who has a title of director, vice president, uh, C-level title, chief something. Those are leadership roles, but you do not have to be in a leadership role to lead. Leadership is about influence. It's called influential leadership, and it is about getting people to follow along. When we look at some of the greatest leaders of the 20th century, people like Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, they did not have any formal authority. They did not say, follow me because I am in this position and you have to. They said, I have a vision. I have a, a future state I want us to achieve. And I'm going to convince you, you want to be part of this. And if you follow me together, we can do it. And that's what influential leadership is. That is something we can do in our roles. Even if you're the most junior person in your company, you can step up and say, hey, everyone, I have an idea. I think we should go in this direction. And if you can marshal persuasive arguments, you are now leading the team. You might not be responsible for the full execution of it, 
there are people in senior roles, but you're going to be seen as a leader. Do not wait till you get that leadership position. Start by being a leader today. To your second question, the importance of career plans. This is something I've been helping students develop for the past 20 years, along with these other skills. So many people along my path have been, I've met people in the companies that I've run or students I've mentored who have said, you know, I, I really want to get to this role down the road. I guess, you know, I just work hard and hope to get there one day. Hope is not a strategy. A plan doesn't guarantee that you'll get there, but a lack of a plan almost guarantees failure. I've never heard of a company that has said, you know what, let's not do a plan for this year. Let's just see where it goes. I've never heard of a sports team whose coach says, okay, guys, here's the big game. You know what, just go out and see what happens, right? Everyone creates a plan. So think about where you want to get to and through some of the tools I talk about, you can create a path to get there. There might be some intermediate jobs. There might be some skills along the way or experience along the way you need to pick up. But by mapping this out, you can create that plan. And of course, we remember that once you have a plan, it's not set in stone. That plan, like any of the plans we do in our companies, needs to be regularly reflected upon and revised and adapted to the changing situation. Thank you so much for sharing that. I hope whoever's listening will know that um, hope is not a strategy. So how does one create a career plan? I'm gonna start assuming you don't necessarily have a job description or a job in mind. That's, that's the, the most base case. Some people say, I'm not even sure what I wanna do. Begin by talking to others and asking them about their roles, about what they do, what they like, what they don't like, to figure out, do you want to move into a managerial position or stay as an expert individual contributor? Or do you want to move in a certain way? This is also helpful because as our industries evolve, as technology and globalization and other factors come into play, you want to set yourself up for a job that 10 years down the road is in demand and not one that was in demand 10 years ago. So talk to lots of people, get their perspectives on the role and on the industry and how things are changing. There's a whole bunch of questions. And if you go to my website, you can download the questions for free. And these are about where you wanna be in life, what kind of lifestyle you want, how much money you need. Because our job in and of itself uh, is not the end goal, right? Our job is part of our life. So you need to answer these questions, not just about your job, but about your lifestyle to make sure you find a job that fits into the life that you want. Answering these questions are gonna help narrow down the, the role you want. Now, once you have some concept, doesn't have to be a job title, may just be a general direction, or for other people they've known, okay, this is the title I've wanted. What you're gonna to wanna to do is look at that role, talk to people in that role, and understand what are the requirements. Now, you can look at a job description online, and that's a start, but there's also a bunch of unwritten requirements, a bunch of experiences and skills that aren't necessarily there. And that especially goes to these skills such as negotiations and leadership and communication that either aren't listed in the job description or they give it some hand wavy, strong leadership and communication skills. That's kind of vague. So talk to people in these roles, understand day to day, what's it really like? What are the skills? Ask them questions like, what does it take to be successful in your role? 
what is a typical week like? What are the challenges that you face? And from there, you can start to map out what are the skills needed. Look at the skills that you have, and you're going to develop the skills gap, right, where you don't have yet the skills or experience. Then you're going to create a plan over the next few years how you're going to acquire those skills. And it might be done on the job. It might be done by taking classes. It might be done by reading. There's lots of different approaches, but you're going to create a plan. It might even require certain intermediate jobs. You don't go from being a junior salesperson to head of sales without some intermediate steps along the way. And for each of those, you can also look at what's the skills gap and create the plan to get to those intermediate steps. And of course, as you do this along the way, you're going to constantly revise because that plan that's going to take you to the job in 10 years well, two years down the road, things are going to be different in the company, in the industry, in your own life. So just be sure to revise that career plan along the way. Would you say that this career plan and the book that you've written, can it also help entrepreneurs to map out their, their plan for their businesses and also their careers? Very much so. As an entrepreneur, you first, you should have a business plan for your company. And for those who aren't entrepreneurs, this is almost a business plan for your career. But there's a reason you're doing that company. And it might be because you want money. It might be because you enjoy running a company. It might be because you want to have impact or changing industry. And it's important to answer these questions and understand why you're building this company, because that's going to impact some of your decisions that plan of where you're trying to go is going to help you understand where you might need to strengthen up your skills. If, if your goal is to reach some certain sales number or expand to some market, you're going to look and say, you know, if I want to do this, I might need to diversify my network. If I want to run a team of not just five people, but of 500, I might need to work on my leadership skills. I might need to strengthen my communication. And so all of these different skills in the book, we're going to map out what are the skills and you, you can look and say, where am I strong? Where am I weak? What do I understand? Where do I need to invest more time? And that's going to make you a stronger entrepreneur and owner as you grow your business and achieve the goals that you've set out. Thank you so much for those insights. And obviously, as we build our career plans, we need to build relationships with people around us. So how would you help people to build their network? Most people, unfortunately, get networking wrong. I've seen people around the world, this does vary a bit by country and culture and region, but I've seen people, particularly in Western cultures, very true in the US, I've seen it in Europe and some other places, where it's about handing out business cards or adding people on LinkedIn and just saying, okay, great, I've got your business card, you're on my network, plus one, my network just grew. But that's not what networking is. That's adding people to your address book, it just happens to be electronic. Networking is about relationships. It is about building relationships with people. Those people who you just add on LinkedIn, are they going to be there to lend you money if you're having trouble making payroll, are they going to be there to introduce you to a key contact at a large corporation that lots of people want to get to? 
your relationships, the people you know well, where there's some degree of trust and mutual respect, those are the people who are going to open doors for you and help you. And that, of course, doesn't happen instantly. It comes from having a relationship. Now, a lot of people feel you know, networking, it's a, it's a really difficult uh, thing. I, I don't know how to do it. I'm not an extroverted person. But everyone can do it. If you'll let me borrow from a Zimbabwean proverb, there's an old saying, if you can talk, you can sing. If you can walk, you can dance. Well, if you can have a friend, you can build a network. It's really that simple. You all know how to build relationships with people. You've done it before. You have your friends. You've built relationships with family members. And it's the same thing, although it's just in a professional setting. Maybe it's not someone you're going to go and hang out with after work or on weekends, and that's okay, but you have a relationship. You've got to, to know someone, you've built up some trust, and these are people you can call, and likewise, they can call on you, and you'll help them out. The most Im important aspect uh, to keep in mind as you're building this relationship is thinking about giving before you get. Try to help other people. When you meet someone, say, what can I do to help you? This is a mindset that I go in with every time I meet someone, and this will help foster that relationship. Fantastic. But then now, as you've mentioned, someone is struggling, you know, it's so hard to network. Yes, you're saying don't give up my business card. So what's the proper way to make an introduction? Well, certainly do give out your business card. The mistake I see lots of people make, I see people go to an event and say, hi, nice to meet you. Here's my card. Let me get your card. Okay, great. We exchange cards. Next. Next person. Hey, nice to meet you. Here's my card. Let me get your card. Okay, now I got two cards. Move on to the next person. And they're just collecting cards. Yes, meet someone and do exchange business cards, but have a conversation and engage with them and then look for ways to follow up. Consider if you went on a date with someone and you had one date, is this person now your significant other? Are they your life partner? Of course not. You say, okay, that was, that was nice, but I'm gonna spend more time getting to know this person. I'm going to see them again. I'm going to engage with them again. And that relationship builds over time. Likewise, your business partners or your people in your network, these are people, you're gonna meet them, you're gonna take an interest in them and get to know them, you're going to think about, is there a way I can be helpful to this person? And then you're going to hopefully see them again. This can be anything from let's get together for coffee to catch up. And of course, now that we're in a COVID world, you can't always get together for coffee, but you can meet online. You can do a virtual coffee. And by the way, the, the silver line to COVID, it's a horrible pandemic we're all suffering through. There are a few silver linings. So even though we don't want this to happen, how can we make the most of the situation we're in? One of which is we tend to network to, with people locally. We tend to say, I'm in New York, so I usually get coffee with people in New York. Much easier than if I had to fly to Chicago to have coffee with someone. But now, now that we're willing to all sit on a Zoom call, we can say, hey, you know what? It's been a while. Let's catch up. Let's do a morning coffee, even though you're in Chicago and I'm in New York, we can do that because now we're all used to it. So we can continue to foster relationships non-locally during this time. So reach out and build those relationships. When you meet someone, get to know them and what's important to them. And these are reasons that you can reach out or stay connected or be helpful to them.
So take an interest and learn about the other person to foster that relationship. Yes, I think it's so important to take an interest in someone, get to know them and build up from there. So would you think that it's different for male or females while they're networking? To a first order, I would say probably not. Uh, it is relationship-based. But to a second order, there are probably two differences, and these will vary significantly by culture. One is just uh, certainly women, I think, in, in the U.S. Uh, specifically, and this will vary again to certain countries, have some challenges in that men may misinterpret certain things. Uh, I certainly know lots of women here have challenges that a man might misinterpret a let's get together for business with a different type of interest. And so that's something they do need to be cognizant of, both men and women. I'd say also the nature of how people engage and communicate. And this is a, a more general communication issue that studies have shown, certainly in, in the US and certain Western cultures, how men and women communicate and the style of how they do so and build those relationships will vary. This comes from as young as when we're children. And that type of communication difference can be perceived differently and can cause people to therefore engage with you differently or treat you differently based on how they perceive that communication. And that can have some subtle impact into uh, how that relationship unfolds. But here, what may be true in the US for those dynamics is not going to be as true, say, in Germany, where we have a much more balanced uh, gender role and a culture that recognizes more equality between the genders in the workplace. So it will vary somewhat by, uh, by country and culture. Thank you for sharing some insights into that. So to switch the gears a little bit, um, imagine that you're sitting across someone and they're struggling to figure out how to better themselves in an upcoming interview. How would you guide them in preparing for an interview? There's a lot of ways we can potentially do that. And I'm actually, later today, I'm actually helping out a friend with that specific question. One of the most important things to remember, interviews are a lot like public speaking. Now, most people think, well, public speaking, that's where I'm stepping up to a podium and I'm giving a speech in front of a lot of people. But in fact, a lot of the same skills apply to our interviews. And just as with public speaking, you don't go to do a, a public speech and not be prepared. You don't go up and say, oh, I, I better figure out what I'm going to talk about. You have your speech, you have it prepared, although not memorized word for word, but you know what you're going to say. Likewise, in an interview, you really shouldn't be surprised by most questions. You know the questions are going to be about your prior projects. Questions are going to be about certain skill sets or certain challenges you might have faced. They're gonna be maybe a strengths and weaknesses type question. We can find these questions online very easily. You're gonna look at these questions and much like if you were doing a public speech, you're going to practice your answers not word for word. You don't want to say, oh, that question, quick, let me robotically say these 17 words, but you're going to know what you want to say. 
And so you're going to, what I would do is I used to practice this. I'd practice this as I was waiting for the bus. I'd practice this as I was in the shower. I'd practice it in my head or practice it out loud. And like a speech, you're going to do it different ways until you get comfortable with it. So when these questions come at you, you're not struggling to think, oh my God, what's my answer? You're thinking, okay, I know this one. And you give the answer. And in fact, more advanced candidates will even recognize I'm going to have multiple answers to this question. That might be a short answer, an intermediate or long answer, based on does this interviewer want me to do shorter or longer answers? Or maybe you can tailor your answer to focus on a particular aspect. If you notice, for example, the interviewer is asking lots of questions about leadership and there's a lot of emphasis on leadership in the role, as you answer, tweak the answer to be a little more about emphasizing your leadership. If it's asking, if the interviewer is asking about teamwork, tweak the answer to emphasize teamwork more. This will be easier, again, when you know what your answer is, because you've done it, you've practiced it so many times, it will be easier to make these little adjustments on the fly. Listeners, I hope you have taken note and practice, practice, practice. So Mark, to change the tone of the conversation and to just ask some random questions. Don't overthink it. The first response that comes to mind, just share <laughs> it. <laughs> so the first one is, if you could interview a famous person, who would you choose? I think it would probably be Mahatma Gandhi. And why him? I am just an admirer of this man who, he had a, a good life laid out for him with his, his career in law, and he recognized a need for his people and said, this is where I'm going to give up the, the position that I have, and I'm going to take this massive risk, but I see a future. I see a better future for our people. I see creating a country where one doesn't currently exist, and it was a long struggle. That light at the end of the tunnel must have been so far in the distance when he began but he was able to do it and to marshal people. And he did so through peace. He did so through nonviolence, which especially at that time was a rather new concept, right? It wasn't one what we, we traditionally saw coming out of the 19th century. So I, I just am amazed that he had that foresight and the drive and capability to really lead to the formation of, of multiple new countries. Great, next question. What would you do with $10 million? With $10 million, I would very much uh, like to start up a, a new nonprofit. I'm on the board of a couple already, but I'd really like to start a nonprofit that helps to teach these skills to younger children because we're not getting it in our current education system, and I think we need to, but I don't see it coming in through kind of traditional, let's alter the education system. I think we need to build a parallel side path where we can begin to teach these. And I hope when you do start that nonprofit, you can come to Kenya and establish it here because as well, the curriculum doesn't support the skills that are necessary for them to be successful in their careers. That, that unfortunately is a global problem. And I would very much like to see this, uh, this dream nonprofit of mine happen globally. Fantastic. The last question, how would you want to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as a good husband, a good father, uh, 
a good teacher, and someone who helped to make the world a better place. And may that happen. Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. How can one get in touch with, your, with yourself or get a hold of the book? The book is available through most major channels. So Amazon is probably the, the most global channel and there is a Kindle version. You can get in touch with me at my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. From there, you can see where to buy the book. You can download some free resources, including a free app that contains many of the tips in the book. You can follow me on social media or download other resources such as a question list to help you formulate your career or just follow along on the blog or social media. Fantastic. And in closing, what would be your patting shot to the listener? These skills are different from some of the other knowledge that we've learned. If you're trying to learn a new software language, how to use a tool, understand economics, you can get this by reading a book, watching a video online. One thing to remember with these skills, there's no one right answer. There's not, okay, here's the formula, memorize it, do it. So as you develop these skills, be sure to do so with a cohort of other people, either coworkers or friends, and discuss them. This is what happens in business schools. They use a case method and they say, let's look at how do we tackle this challenge and what do you think and what do you think and let's get another perspective. And that's what you want to do as you build these skills. So be sure to get other people, read the same articles, have a discussion, get those perspectives, and that's going to help you grow faster and stronger in these areas. Dear listeners, I hope you've taken note get someone to grow with and to hold you accountable. And until next time, thanks for listening.